Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Friday, July the 8th, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Hello. Thank you. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Once again, honored and delighted that you're here to share with us. A little bit slow in getting started. We just drove back into uh, Ellington, Florida and got in the house about three minutes ago, so just kind of getting set up for the show. And thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Dr. Tim, for your assistance and support while being on the road. Nice to be back in Ellington and nice to be with each and every one of you sharing these awesome first century Aramaic tools, especially the tools about forgiveness. Of course, we have uh, a pretty insane circumstance happening in our world, certainly coming to light in, uh, in new and more intense ways. And I'd like to address that today from a couple of different perspectives, historical and current events, and then to talk about a solution, which I found was interesting as we listen to um, to the, uh, the news this morning. We don't usually catch that on the road, but we were in a hotel last night, and so did catch some of the news of what was happening in uh, in Dallas and uh, what was happening all over the country in response to uh, to the insane behaviors of murder and mayhem. I thought it was interesting that uh, Dallas is a police force that is efforting making a shift, and I thought it was very powerful to hear the mayor of Dallas as he spoke rather than speaking in terms of vengeance although he said we're going to go after whoever did this, that he spoke of bringing communities together and healing, both over the issue of the recent murders by police and then last night the murder of police. And it was really interesting to hear him say the words, use good words. It echoes Yeshua 2,000 years ago who said the power of life and death is in our words. And then his words were about coming together to heal and recognizing that words have a huge, huge impact on the way that our mind works. And then it was interesting as one station we happened to be listening to, we listened to the mayor talk about using good words and coming together to heal. At the next screen as it broke away to a commercial was a TV movie and the first words were 
32 kills and you see the hero with a gun in his hand shooting people. It's like, what a juxtaposition. And what, what part did the words that we take in have to play? Obviously, the mayor of Dallas knows that there's something about words and the power of words that have to do with behavior. And then the next cut to, uh, to the programming on the particular station we were watching, and I actually had walked out of the room, so I didn't catch the person who was uh, speaking these words, but they spoke of, you know, here we are all looking without looking for the bad guy. And the invitation that was put forward was to look within rather than to be looking out. And so the question I ask is, what is human life? Who are we really? We've got to start from there. And if our words and our thoughts flow from there, our world's going to change. And if you hold a newborn child, you know exactly what a human life is. And when Jeannie and I ask, and we've asked tens of tens of thousands of people all over the globe to describe their experience of the essence of the newborn, and there were always words based in the theme of love, always 100% of the time. And I ask the question of people, is the newborn loving you? And people cock their heads and say, no, the newborn is love. Let's establish that as a baseline. Human life is love. If we do not live in that mindset, then there's going to be deep, deep difficulty. And it's time for us to awaken from that difficulty. And we awaken by looking within. We awaken by looking at our own mindset. You hear Yeshua when they ask him 2,000 years ago, what's most important in all the law? And he points them not in the direction of the words the Greek gave us, love your neighbor, but he points them in the direction of a word. It was translated by the Greeks as love, but it isn't love at all. He points us in a word that directs us to our mindset. He says you must have rachma for the creator, for neighbor, in order to maintain your human life. He doesn't say love God neighbor as self, as the Greeks would translate it. Change the meaning of a culture's words, you can destroy a culture. This man named Yeshua gave us exact and specific instructions as to how to maintain our human lives. There's a mindset that's required. There's a gateway in the human mind for bringing human life into expression. And if we cut that gateway off, then sadly, we don't function as humans. So the question to ask yourself is, is there human life in your actions? Is there the active presence of love in what you're thinking, feeling, and experiencing around the events in Dallas and around the murders that we saw replayed so many times that preceded those events in Dallas? If there's not, my offering is your mindset is off. And it's time for us in mass to begin to understand how the human mind works. You know, if I hand you the keys to a car and you have no idea how to drive a car, and you get in and start the car, jump on the dash, look out the back window, and drive down the highway, you're going to have a lot of trouble. If you jump into a human mind and you don't know there is a key way to a mindset for human life, and the world is filled with a lack of human life. You know, there's the song, whenever I think about that, the song, you might remember the tune, How Long Has This Been Going On? How long has the insanity been going on? And what can we do to restore ourselves to a proper mindset that opens the gateway for us to experience ourselves as love and to see each other as love? Historically, this has been going on for thousands of years. Interesting, if you go back, and in many cases, you know, we, we see people, and I, and I wonder if the mayor of Dallas, when he said, watch your words, was referring to a certain candidate 
who's willing to throw any kind of words of hostility and violence around as though his mindset doesn't matter and his mindset is right and his mindset's the one that's going to fix the world. And notice that that's targeted at a particular group of people, in this case, mostly Muslims, but also to the Hispanic community. And you look at some of the history of what has happened in the Muslim world. You look back to the Crusades. And in the Crusades, there was a call to storm Jerusalem. And it was a call put out to the so-called Christian world. Now, if it were in fact a Christian world, there would be an understanding of a mindset called love. And that mindset would have been what ruled and governed people's behaviors. It was not. In fact, as the uh, crusaders swept across Europe and into the Middle East, thousands upon thousands were murdered. In this case, mostly Jews. And then they stormed the city of Jerusalem, which was occupied primarily by Muslims. If you go to a site called, and, and I'm, I'm putting this forward to, to look at what a mindset does. And who's the one that holds the mindset that's correct? We each need to start to look within and start to be responsible for the state of our own minds. So if you go to a site, a site called eyewitnesshistory.com, you'll hear them describing the sacking of Jerusalem by the so-called Christian crusaders. And it says, one man says, our men followed and pursued them, killing and hacking as far as the Temple of Solomon. And there was such a slaughter that our men were up to their ankles in their enemy's blood. How insane does it get? If you go on, it just goes on and on and on about this insanity. Now, the so-called Christians and the Muslims each felt they had a claim. And, I, and I'm, I'm putting this forward as history so that we can begin to look at some of the historical roots of the mindset that may be automatic in us and what needs to be corrected. And it's interesting in response to that, there was a gentleman, a Muslim gentleman, and I say that very consciously and very purposely, called Saladin. And it's interesting his enemy, a man named Balin, had contacted him after being run out of Jerusalem by Saladin's army. And his family, his wife and his children, were left stuck in Jerusalem. Now, if you look at a particular candidate, he'd be going, the first thing he'd do when he found that would be going and slaughtering them. Saladin says to Balin, I will give you safe passage to get your family and give them safe passage out on one condition, that you don't pick up arms against me when you go. And he agrees. Well, Balin gets to Jerusalem and he finds out there's no leader in Jerusalem for the so-called, and I say that very, very guardedly, very, very purposely, so-called Christian armies. And he contacts Saladin and he says, you know, there are no leaders here. I've, I've just got to lead these people. And Saladin says, I understand. I will send guards to safeguard your family and get them back to a safe place. And Saladin takes his arch enemy's family safely to Tyre. Now, there's a man who understood a mindset even to his enemy. And I, I love the scene in the movie Gandhi where Gandhi is taken in front of his arch enemy, or as the world would call it, Colonel Smuts, who's the symbol of British insanity in India. And he approaches him and he says, I honor you as a man. I honor you. And I hope that the fact that I can't cooperate with your illegal and insane activity won't come between us as men. Here's a man who understood a mindset, a man who understood, even in the context of his, his countrymen being slaughtered, he understood how to hold to his human life as Saladin had. Be careful when you judge a Muslim. 
I'll offer that I've worked with over the years many Muslims, and to a person, everyone has been a very high-integrity person. But we're, we're programmed by the media into a mindset of hatred, and it leads to the kind of thing we saw in Dallas. It leads to the kinds of things that we're seeing spreading around our country, and we need to wake up. We need to address these things and come back to sanity. By the way, when Saladin won back Jerusalem, instead of literally, like there was one group of people when the Crusaders went in, there was one group of people who escaped to a church, or if I remember correctly, it might have been a, a, um, a, a temple, a Jewish temple, and the Crusaders put wood piles around the building, burned the building and burned everyone in it. And the few that escaped, they slaughtered. Saladin, on the other hand, a man who knows about a mindset, a Muslim king who knows about a mindset, says to the people in Jerusalem who hold this as a holy place, I understand you hold this as a holy place. And I will give you safe passage out of here. We've taken back our city and our holy places. And forever, you will have the right to come here on your pilgrimages. We need to be able to understand a mindset that takes us back to a different state of being, where we function as human beings. There were generals in Saladin's army that suggested they should destroy the churches that were Christian um, holy places, and Saladin said he had no intention to discourage Christian pilgrimages to the sites, and they reopened those very Christian holy places for Christians to visit. We need to understand a mindset. These crusaders, historically Westerners, here we are, we're Westerners, we have a mindset that is genetically, we are predisposed to. And we need to wake up. There's something different possible. And, of course, to recoup that mindset, to get back to, in the context of the work that we're doing together, to get back to that mindset of love. It was called Rachma in Aramaic. There are essentially three filters over the human mind. One is fear, and when in fear, one will always have negative intentions and therefore have goals that will produce perceptions based in threat. Whatever one looks at when that mindset is active will be threatening. One can look at the, the smallest child, you know, the six-foot-six giant of a gorilla guy in hostility, or in fear, pardon me, can look at a three-year-old child and perceive threat and lash out at a three-year-old child? How do three-year-old children get beaten to death by their parents? How does that happen? How do they get verbally, physically, emotionally abused? Because there is a mindset and that mindset produces only perceptions based in threat. And here's this six-foot-six gorilla of a guy weighing 300 pounds who's feeling threatened by their own three-year-old. And it's got nothing to do with the three-year-old. It's got to do the mind, with the mindset of this six-foot-six gorilla who doesn't know how to drive his own mind. If hostility is the mindset of that same man, then he'll look at that three-year-old and find the three-year-old the source of the greatest irritation possible and have no idea that his irritation is about his own mindset. If that six-foot-six gorilla happens to understand Rachma, how to set his mind for love, then no matter what's going on in his world, he'll look at his three-year-old and cherish them. Cherish himself and cherish those around him. It's all an inside job. That person this morning from Dallas who said, we need to start looking inside was so right on. And we need to start looking at our words because our words will reflect to us our mindset. And it's such an important piece of the puzzle that we learn to set this process of rocking in place. And one of the most powerful ways I know to do that is to get quiet, close your eyes, and imagine holding a newborn. Tap into the essence of the newborn 
and it opens a space of our own newbornness. And as we begin to live connected to that, that space of active love, everything begins to change. While we're out there struggling against the effects of the world, so if we could just change them, if only my kids would be different, if only my parents would be different, if only my, you know, whatever would be different. No. The work happens within. Otherwise, the stresses that happen within create either diseases within or diseased expression without. And looking at the amount of diseased expression in our world, you know, in the Western world, we spend more money on health care than by, by multitudes of, of times over. Money on so-called health care. And yet we have the worst disease record, the worst preventable disease statistics, the worst uh, infant mortality in the world of modern nations. Why? Because we haven't been taught what to do with our minds. We haven't been taught that we can take charge of what's going on within us. Whatever has happened to us, whatever has happened without. And as I begin to realize that, and I do the work within, which is what this is all about, is going inside of ourselves and healing those internal dynamics. And I just really applaud in the context of all the trauma that happened in Dallas yesterday, I just totally, completely applaud the mayor of Dallas who said, we need to watch our words. We need to come together in community and heal together. Powerful, powerful insight. And so, of course, we're... With this work and almost 50 years of working to get people to understand that, six years of radio shows, we've got archives with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows where we've talked nothing but how to achieve the results that we're speaking of here and, and how to live and function as human beings and to remove and reduce the stresses within our minds and our bodies so that our disease processes disappear and we are restored to the truth of who we are as love. And what an awesome opportunity to be able to go back to Yeshua's original words in the first century Aramaic and understand how he, he instructed us to do that. And that's the core and the essence of all the tools that we teach. And so we're honored that you're here to share this space with us. And uh, Jeannie told me that we have a caller, so uh, I know that if I ask Dr. Tim to say what's happening for him, he'll say, well, let's listen to our caller first. So we'll go to our caller and then uh, come back and say hello to Tim. So Jeannie, you've got a caller for us? Yes, we do. It's 9.05. You're on the air. I believe that it's um, your niece, Michelle. Hey there, young lady. Hi, Mike. How are you? Uh, I am well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Thanks awesome. for your work that you have shared with me over the years. And I just, again, tried applying it to my life that I needed to sort out some issues. And I have started to notice a change. And I'm still trying to work on them. And uh, it can be difficult at times. But I understand. Um, it, it's good stuff. And well, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored and delighted that you're here to share what's happening with us. And perhaps if I just give a little bit of history, is that okay? Before, we, uh, before you share what you have to share. We did talk a couple of days ago and you had shared some of the things that were happening for you. Sure, please go ahead. Okay, so I'll just let everyone know. I'll introduce my niece, Michelle, uh, who, of course, I've known since she was knee-high to a grasshopper and uh, now in her 50s. Uh, and really stepping into doing her work, having gone through some major, major challenges, had uh, gotten into a situation back a few years ago where some sort of a brain infection occurred that created um, a series of um, episodes where the result was to do brain surgery to try and uh, remove parts of the brain that were creating epileptic-type seizures. 
and uh, having picked up the tools starting about, uh, I guess your first intensive was about a year ago. Well, that's a little more than a year now, isn't it? It's almost two years since you're up in yeah. Michigan with us and came to your first intensive. And so uh, you picked up the tools back then and then kind of let them go. Things got busy and stress built. So why don't you take it from there and just share what you have to share, and then if there are any questions or uh, anything we can do to support you, let us know. Okay. Um, well, I was doing good, and then all of a sudden I started to have tremors in my right hand and arm just unexpectedly and then go into seizures not knowing why, and they were getting worse. And I went back into the hospital, and I was having up to four or five during the day and maybe that many at night. And they told me I'm not having epileptic seizures that are like electrical brainstorms anymore. It, they call it psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. So it's something right. that... I'm doing, my body remembers some trauma or traumatic events that I've gone through, and I don't remember them, but my body remembers them, and I'm having real seizures. So it's like, well, they said to go to psychiatrist or psychologist to see about getting this fixed, and I haven't been able to get any help. And that's when I reached out to the um worksheets that uh, you and Jeannie have and I noticed that it started to help me because my first question is how do I try and fix something that I can't remember and they said it's like post-traumatic stress disorder and going through the worksheets I just started working my way through how I felt currently and then all of a sudden I noticed it, I had these thoughts coming up, and I'm like, why did that one come up all of a sudden out of the blue? And it's going When you say thoughts, you mean memories? Memories, right. Yeah. I had a memory okay. come up out of the blue of when I was a child, and my first reaction to it is, where did that come from? So I did use that as the one worksheet to start working from. And where I always find your worksheets the most difficult at times to work with is where you say, you know, what you really want. You put down what you want is nice and easy. Thank you for that line. (laughs) But then a couple steps later, um, the difficulty comes in when we say, let go of what you want and logically at first it's like why would I want to let go of what I want right right and mm-hmm. then trying to break through that barrier I'd start thinking well that thought is a thought I had from a long time ago and what purpose has it served me like it hasn't served me well it gave me the feelings of being um, like I caused something bad to happen and I was afraid and alone. And Do you want to I share thought, that? Sure. Um, when I was younger, my grandfather, by the name of Dutch, that I was very close to, he was teaching me to swim. We were on holidays. And long story short, when we were back home, not too long after, but around February, Valentine's Day, my grandmother came to me. I was alone in the living room. I was lying on my tummy, and she had the little cinnamon heart candies, and she told me I caused my grandfather to die of a heart attack. And I felt very scared and alone, and I, to this day, I hate those little heart candies. They just remind me of that. And, right. Um, I've also been suffering through, like, with I have these um, seizures, it's like this fear, and I, my arm, I lose control of my right arm sometimes during the day for no reason. I'll just be carrying right. a cup, say, 
or trying to use it or even sitting there, my right arm will just start going up in the air and I'll have this feeling of fear come over me. And it got really, really bad for a while there. And um, I also got a dog that really helped me. I couldn't believe the common effect he had on me. But anyways, long story short, the seizures were getting worse again. I was having many during the night when I was sleeping and during the day. And I've noticed when I was in the hospital, they told me the types of seizures I'm having now, the medications will not help me. So they've even admitted that the medications are not helping. So we're reducing them a bit at a time. And I found with reducing those, but... With working on these worksheets, I feel better, and bringing up these different issues, there was another issue that came up um, where... Let me, just, let me just fill in a couple of blanks before you go on to that one, Michelle, sure. just from, yeah. from our sharing from the other day, so uh, just so people understand where the conversation is going, and, and I think it will help to inspire people to see how the tools can be used, but uh, what happened was that uh, Michelle was with her family in Florida, about 11 years of age, and everybody wanted to go to Cape Canaveral and Michelle didn't really want to go. She's 11. She wants to stay and swim. And grandfather says, I'll stay and and help you to learn to swim, which he did pretty awesome. Then they left. He, he had some heart problems shortly after that and ended up driving home with him having to lay on the back seat of the car. while Michelle at 11 sat on the floor with him. And a a few months later he passed. And it was a short time after that, that her grandmother came and, sort of over top of her, over above her as she's laying on the floor coloring, uh, tells her, informs her that she killed her grandfather. And uh, what a a traumatic trip to lay on a child. And, of course, that fear and alone, which when we worked on on that worksheet, you realized is today when there's a, a, um, a, uh, a seizure going on, it's fear and aloneness that you're feeling. And so you were getting to the point where until you touched into that, there were several of these tremors, these uh, seizures a day, and now you're finding that their number is reduced and they're less severe. Is that what I understand? Correct. I've actually gone almost a week without having any. Yay! All right. The one thing that I do notice working on the worksheet, I get just a sensation of what I would feel like after a seizure. So it's bringing up what I was dealing with. The main part that I found helpful to me, like I said, the difficult section when you have what you want and then you're trying to let it go, I mentioned to you how I was doing that is I would close my eyes and I would go inside my body, and I would go in my head, and on the left ear, just behind my left ear, I would take a deep breath in, and I would take that thought. I, I, I didn't, I didn't cause this to happen, and I'm not afraid and alone. So I would breathe that in really deep and focus on sucking it out of that area and then when I let go of my breath I released it from my body from that area so I would do that two to three times in that spot and then I would move around my head and um, sometimes I would just do a real big core breathe to my body to the stomach and everything like that and then on my hands I would do the same thing I would take one digit at a time or the hand and I would feel like I'm pulling the energy from the tips of my finger all the way up to my arm for as long as I could breathe in what I was trying to let go and then I would just blow out and I would do it a couple times again, 
and say, there, you've left my body. You're no longer in there. You so this no is the arm that you were losing control of when the seizure would start? Yes. That's yes. so awesome. So that that you that. just that you just creatively said, okay, I'm putting two and two together. I've been taught to still point breathing, and I've been taught how to forgive, and that these are energies in my body. That you just on your own came up with this creative way of touching and searching in your body for literally for where the energy is and removing it. To me, is just awesome. Yeah, and I was trying to go through it, and then when. You said earlier in your show about going back to holding the baby of love and then later on in your worksheet um, where I join with love, I would go back to that feeling of what love was, of that newborn and all the positive feelings we have of that. And then I'd say I now place you here in all those Thoughts I purged, so I would breathe in the love and joy and everything I feel, and breathe it in Genius. like I would do a, a. I would just breathe a real deep breath through my whole body, and fill my body and say for all those spots I fill it with love and joy or whatever the different and, feelings at the time. And tell me, what would you go to in order to inspire and bring that? strength of experience of love in what would I go to well yeah, what it, was it, your image what did you well my image was holding my daughter first of all um, holding mm. her and teaching her to walk the little hand in mine and it's funny how, how things come around during my period, she would hold my hand now and walk me around. Everything kind of came full circle. And wow. That, and that was one of the biggest things when I had have a seizure. It was one of the greatest things for me is when she would hold my hand, I would say, you're keeping me here. I wouldn't go anywhere as long as she held me here. And um, so there was that. And then there was one other thing when I talked about my grandfather I would think about the joy and happiness I felt that I had with him in the pool and when he bought me this T-shirt that had a little princess with this little glass, which to me was a diamond on the wand, right? <laughs> Duchess princess, would, right? You. <laughs> that, that's right. I fear if we get all the pr princesses together, it's going to be quite interesting in what world. <laughs> <laughs> For but, sure. Um, but I brought up the, those feelings of all the joy and happiness I had of him, all my memories of him that I shared with him, even just when I went down to his home and sat on his lap and he was watching his football games and we walked to the store and got an ice cream sandwich. So I went to those thoughts as well. And I would draw them in. And so after I purged all those other thoughts, I didn't. they weren't in my body anymore. I didn't have any room for them. I got rid of them, and then I would breathe in all the love and place them in my body where those spots. And I would try and go throughout my body where I would say, okay, you're not going to hide in here anywhere. I'm going to find you. And I'd sometimes find different spots and say, okay, I'm going to go here. Because you just might be lurking, and I'm going to get you. And I worked on that. Well, sweetie, that's awesome. And it's been very helpful to me. And like I said, I've been a week without any problems, which has been tremendous. And I'm still working on the worksheets. And um, I give so, so much to them for helping me and uh, the love and support that you and Jeannie have given me and the, the these tools to work with, you know. And it, thank, thankfully I never lost my memory. That's the one thing, too. I would lose part of my memory. 
and thankfully I never forgot about these tools because when I couldn't get the help that I needed anywhere else and being left on my own, you know, to figure out how to handle this, I thought right away of your tools. And I just pulled them right out. Michelle, this is Jeannie. I want to add to the way that you described yesterday of of looking for those spots of disintegrative energy. Like, you know, you said you'd look behind your eyes or you'd look, you know, behind your ear or in your throat or wherever, and that you were actually searching in your body for where that disintegrative energy was staying and then Mm -hmm. take your breath to it and blow it out. To me, that's awesome. Um, The last few weeks we have talked about on the radio show um, the differences between you know, your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions and the difference of some of them being, you know, just like psychological, mental um, emotions versus feelings in your physical body. And I think you just described it perfectly. And I think that's awesome that you actually found that on your own and did that on your own. And it's an awesome tool for us now to offer other people to be able to go inside and find that. And I just think that's phenomenal how you did that and accolades well, to you, girl. So Sorry to cut you off. Thank you so very no, much. Good. That's really nice to hear. And actually when you say go behind my eye, I do my left eye, I do go behind my eyes because I have lost part of my vision in my left eye now. Um, half like the top left-hand quadrant of that eye. I've lost my vision there, and I get pain in it, but I'm working on that one. It, it comes and goes. And well, I'll be, uh, I'll be very delighted to hear from you when you call and say you've got your full vision back in that quadrant, and I fully expect that that's what will happen. And I, I actually was working with it this morning because it started to hurt me right out of the blue. And they said it was nerve, and I'm like, I started focusing in on that, and it's going to really work well on there. Well, one of the things, you know, that we've shared with people over the years is that we have charge of what energy is in us and what energy moves in us, and that verbal release is a powerful way to remove that and then to have this added piece of, you know, go searching for it. Where is it in your body? And and command it to leave. That That's your prerogative. And whatever that energy is in your eye, and, you know, you may find another major issue that surfaces as you use the worksheet and touch into that. And as you yeah. do and you lift it out of that nerve, that nerve will probably just zip right back into perfect form and you'll find your vision perfect again. That's right. And the, the one thing I want to say is, I personally, when I'm breathing in and focusing in on the energy in a spot in my body and sucking it up, I guess if you want to call it that, I can feel it, the energy coming up through the area. So I'll just use my arm because it's easy for everybody to relate to. So, you know, if you're pulling something right up, I can literally feel that energy coming up because I take as much of a deep breath in as I can so I'm pulling it and then I blow it out and I can really truly feel that and I have to focus on it and after I do the worksheets and I do this work I do find I am tired afterwards um yeah, definitely it takes energy to move through those things, and and it's really wise to take the time when you go through a major process to rest and take care of yourself. You know, that's the time to run a bathtub of hot water and light a candle and just sit and be quiet and breathe with yourself and and just be held in that space. You know, another place you can go with that, uh, aside from holding your own daughter, is to imagine yourself being held as a newborn and and really tapping into yourself because your starting point before you came into a family with some painful dynamics you know to have a grandmother who could even and I remember knew her well 
She carried a heavy-duty load of emotional baggage, but to have a grandmother that could even conceive of lording over an 11-year-old, 12-year-old child and telling her that she was responsible for the death of her beloved grandfather is just about as insane as it gets. And so to be able to remember, and you, you just break that word down, to remember, to, to reconnect with the truth of who you are, because that same energy, when you remember holding Renee and her coming into the world, what a sweet package of energy she was, yeah. that you're the same, that you came in exactly the same way. We all did. And when we can remember, reconnect with that, that's going to bring through such power through this whole, you know, imagine a lightning bolt of loving energy going through this whole energy field and throwing off, throwing out the things that don't belong. It's just uh, just awesome. And, and the creative way you've approached this is just fabulous and gives us another way to express it and explain it to people. And I thank you deeply and dearly. Oh, well, you're welcome. And I am blessed that I could have you in my life, both of you. And um, I feel just like I can't tell you how feel I, good I feel that um, I've been able to share something that is helpful because I can remember saying to you, this is what I'm doing, and is it, you know, good or you know, trying to acknowledge is this something that you think is good or a good way about going about it? Because I I found it helpful or I was doing it, but it was more or less like, does it make sense? <laughs> and um, well, and 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 Michelle, I would support you honoring yourself enough to know that when you're on track, you know you're on track. That you can acknowledge and you can trust your own inner wisdom. Without coming okay. to check it with me, that and you know our whole the whole idea of this work is to connect each person to that inner wisdom that's inside of them. You know the world works to take that away from us and to connect to some outer authority, so some outer authority can have power over us. But remember, right. the power of the universe, the presence of the active love of God, is inside of you, and you can trust that, and that's what you really want to connect with. Right. Right. Yeah. And because, Michelle, uh, yes. Um, when you were at the intensive in Pinckney, the day that we did the breathing, Michelle Pache came up and breathed with us. And she's in the chat room and she said she remembers meeting you at Pinckney and that you sound so centered right now. Oh, really? Yeah. 2,000%. Oh. That's amazing. That really is. You are right on track, young lady, and I am so delighted and so proud of you. Oh, thank you so very much. Your awesome. words and kindness are, you know, I hold them in my heart. I hold you in my heart, both of you and everybody, uh, you know, because I, I, I do try and send out energy even with the people that I've met in my journeys through the hospital, you know, the ward of eight or ten people on different trips. And right. just by, you know, I met people there, men crying and ashamed that they're crying, and it's just giving them a hug and reassuring that it's all right, you know, let it out, you know, or they didn't have their parents around or stuff like that. I feel good trying to make people feel better or caring and even leaving there. I told them we may not physically be together, but when I go for a walk and on a nice sunny day, I can look up to the clouds and know that you're with me. And I do that. I do carry the various people that I've met along my life and from Pickney. Um, I, I do Sweet. remember... And when I go for walks, I carry people like that and send positive energy out to them. And that's... Sweet. So I, I try. Actually, you... 
You just reminded me about something you shared with me a short time ago when you went up for to a specialist office in, uh, I think it was in London, you said you went, and the young lady that you met there and, and what happened there. Do you want to share that with us? That was such a cool story to hear. Do you remember um, the one I'm I, talking about? I think you're talking about the young lady... Um, I was talking to her, and she happened to be a scuba diver. And I was a scuba diver until this happened. And we were talking away, and um, she was talking about this book that she liked. Why is this happening to me? Again, she said, I just love this book. I said, you do? Really now? That was so cool. You like that author? And she said, yeah. I said, yeah, I kind of know him. He's my uncle. <laughs> and she was like, no way. That was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and she just absolutely loves it. And to this day, I stay in touch with her, and I'm welcome to go up to her family's in Quebec and Canada. And we're going to try and meet, actually. Um, she's coming down to London again in our area. And on her way through, we're going to try and meet. And if I can get somebody to drive me to the hospital, I'm going to get up there so I can visit with her. But we do stay in touch. Cool. That's um, sweet. Yeah. And it's one other thing that's really unusual. I moved into a new area. And when I was going for a walk, when I got my dog, I met this lady. She had just moved into the area. And she was trying to get acquainted, and I still had the scars. I had my hair hadn't grown in yet, and I just said to her, right. "I for epilepsy up in London," and she said, "Oh, I've been an epileptic all my life. I had surgery up there by Dr. Stevens." I said, "Me too. That was my doctor." And she just moved in, and she just now lives up a couple doors up from me. Well, so, maybe you'll share some worksheets with her. Yep, and. Um, since then, she's gone, and she's got her high school diploma, and she's got her first job. And we keep in touch, and we're such support for each other. And that's, nice. So, Nothing like community. Yeah, it is. And um, the worksheets, like I said, I can't speak enough on how they're helping me right now. Because I I was lost. I even the hospital called me to ask me how I was making out, and every avenue they had given me to call for help, I got no answers. And then, like I said, I thought of this, and it's really amazing how it does bring up different thoughts. Like I said, I just started off the very first day how I was feeling. And then as I progress, different things start to come up. And it's like, where did that come from? And like you said, that was been a traumatic experience and different things like that. So, um, and I know I was told, I don't remember, when I first had my bout of seizures from this infection, it was quite traumatic. They had to put me in a self-induced coma for about two weeks. And I wouldn't let anybody get near me. And even when I came home, my daughter had to feed me because I couldn't remember how to feed myself or things like that. And I also had instances where I'd fall on a ceramic floor and land on my head first and my husband came home and found me I'm not sure how long later and I had to get an ambulance so I had different things and I don't remember a lot of those right so well as your body's ready to process those memories the energy will come up the energy will be released and you'll be freed of whatever disturbance there is from them and that's I'm just so Awesomely delighted that you took the work and you're using it so creatively and uh, 
and sharing with others. It's just fabulous. Is there anything else you'd like to share or any questions you have about the worksheet or, or any other tools? Well, I was um, – I guess the one thing recently – just even yesterday, this is one thing that I got to work on, and I guess maybe it's a worksheet. I do get into this mode. I had a, I'm on disability. No surprise there. Right. So they have, every year they send out a letter to see if anything's changed. Well, I got a letter, sent it in. I got a letter back yesterday saying they hadn't received it. So it just sent me into this fear, like Mm. something or someone was going to hurt me. Mm. And that's something that I face a lot, is that something or someone's going to hurt me. And again, I'm not sure where that one's coming from. And that's what stopped me a lot of ways from doing things. I couldn't even move from my living room to kitchen for a long time I stopped even going to the gym because I couldn't get outside because I thought the equipment was going to be like transformers come to life and attack me or hurt me right, or so the some hallucinations involved yeah. Yeah. well they are definitely and, worksheets and I'd be looking at worksheets where your goal is to be safe to be nurtured to be taken care of and you may have more of those memories surface from early childhood you know as I said earlier, you know, I recall how heavy-duty Grandma was and uh, and uh, just be able to let that go, to let it, let it loose. Yeah, because that's the big one right now, and it has been for a while, this fear and being hurt. Right. And um, it comes up more often than not, and I can't explain why, whether it's a letter that comes into the house from any thing, doctor's office, or even sometimes being around certain situations that doesn't make sense, it's actually gone away quite a bit since I got the dog. The dog has really done a tremendous job for me. I can't tell you enough how much um, Rufus is his name. He's a mm-hmm. wonderful dog, and he's also brought my daughter and I closer together. We go weekly to dog training. Nice. And nice. we're going to start back up in July, and she may come over tonight for ice cream with Rufus and I. <laughs> cool. And, <laughs> but uh, Rufus is really good with me if he starts. It, it's funny. Like they say with animals, they know. He'll come right, right over to me and lay his ha- head on my lap even long before I even feel or know I'm having a problem. Right. And I'll just start you have a sense. And I, yeah, I feel this calmness, and he's right there with me. And nice. if I happen to start to shake, he comes over and puts his head on my lap and starts licking my hand and that. So he's been really good. And I can go out with him because one day I got lost walking because of my memory. And I asked this blind lady with her dog, I said, could you help me cross the street because I can't process or see properly? And she helped me cross the street and get me home. And I thought to myself, only I would ask a blind lady to help me cross the street. (laughs) Well, we're getting down, Michelle. (laughs) That's funny. We're down to the last few seconds, so I'm just going to say that, you know, the the thanks for the forgiveness tool belongs to Yeshua. He's the one who created it 2,000 years ago. And, you know, one of the things when they asked, well, how many times do we have to do this? 
They said, is seven enough? And in one case, in Aramaic, he said back to them, no, 77 times 70. So this fear issue might be one where you'll end up doing, you know, your 77 times 70 worksheets. And of course, that's not a literal 77 times 70 number, but, but just means that you'll do as much work as you need to do around that issue until you ferreted out every bit of destructive energy that there is that doesn't belong in you and thrown it out of your body. And so I join you and support you, and we look forward to hearing uh, at every stage of your work and your progress uh, just how you're doing. We're down to the last few seconds. I'm going to have to close the show out. I'll just... Huge, huge thanks. My apology to Dr. Tim for not getting to him, but I'm sure he understands and is probably jumping for joy as he hears uh, what's happening for you. And everybody, we support you in creating the best year yet of your eternal lives. It's an awesome gift to give the world blessings. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio's with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.